Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. I greet you in peace. want to just remind you that you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook, or you could write to me at laurie at tantracafe.com. Ever wonder what it would be like to have a guest on Tantra Cafe who doesn't really agree with Tantra? Somebody who's kind of against all the things that I talk about? Or possibly, anyway, someone who would be antagonistic to the whole field of Tantra? Well, my guest today warned me that if I had him as a guest that we might have a face-off. And I, I invited him on the show and told him I would welcome it. Our topic today is going to be really one of my favorite topics, which is the topic boundaries, like what are healthy boundaries, and we're probably going to hear about it from a couple of different perspectives, one mine being tantric or maybe not, maybe my boundaries happened before tantra or during tantra or aren't really tantric, and maybe his happened around his inquiry into sex education or what have you, but I really welcome this whole topic and if we agree or don't agree today on the show. My guest is actually Eric Amaranth, and Eric is a personal and sex life consultant, and he guides clients towards achieving their goals for both amazing and healthy sex life. Eric apprenticed for 10 years with Betty Dodson, who is the author of Sex for One, and Orgasms for Two. Betty's a very famous sex educator, and Eric hung out with Betty for a really long time, and I know he learned a lot. So I'm welcoming him to Tantra Cafe today. Thank you, Laurie. Eric, yeah, you're welcome. It's so good to have you as my guest at last. So let's just, let's talk a little bit about what I was leading up to in terms of possibly your take on Tantra. I do want to talk about boundaries with you because I feel like you and I really could possibly connect on boundaries, and I'm not sure how yet, but I want to just first set the stage in terms of Tantra. You know, what's your take on Tantra that I got the idea that maybe you don't like Tantra? Um, that's not totally accurate. Um, I have a sort of a grounded view of Tantra versus Neo-Tantra, which I consider to be two different things. Um, well, can you define that for us? Because I'm not sure I understand you myself. Um, Neo-Tantra is what's referred to by most people of the sort of a, um, a softer, I'll use the term softer for the moment, for the lack of a better term, uh, a softer version of uh, the original from the East, hardcore, spiritual path, um, you know, sleeping on dead bodies, washing yourself with, you know, major spiritual um, movement uh, versus what we kind of do in the West, which is mostly focusing on the sexual aspects of it. And um, as far as me being anti-Tantra, I'm not. I would say that I like to be as accurate as I can be when you are in. I, I was in, I've been in tantric uh, settings before. I've done tantric sex before. I don't have a current tantric partner at the moment. Um, That's too bad. And, 
Uh, yeah, I know. It's just kind of not there at the moment. I'm concentrating <laughs> on, on non-tantric. Uh, <laughs> and um, I found that I, I was actually interested in Tantra because it, it had such amazing energetic possibilities and metaphysical possibilities that non-tantric sex doesn't do. And it also has certain awarenesses, um, very fine-tuned awarenesses that non-tantric sex tends to not cultivate. And I wanted so, to put... Go ahead. So my so my question is, I mean, but that you would have had to have learned Tantra at your tender age, I'm saying, because I know that you have a sort of tender age. You're, you're a young man, and I... I and I, I respect you in terms of your voice, you know, what you bring and speak and blog about. You would have had to have learned Tantra, though, in a neo-tantric setting, a neo, so to speak, what you're talking about, because you weren't lying around with dead bodies anywhere in, a, in an ascetic sense of Tantra. That's true. I mean, uh, unless you were. I don't know. <laughs> no, I didn't manage to pull that one off. <laughs> so... So I don't get it. Um, well, yes, I originally came from the a, uh, the neo tantric perspective, and I read some of the old books. Oh gosh, I can't remember what his name. It's like the first American to bring tantra over. The first name was John. John uh, Mumford. Yeah, him. And yeah. Uh, I I, resp I respect a lot of what he did. Um, yeah. And what I find sometimes with the current tantric movement or the neo-tantric movement is, you know, as things get passed down in any kind of tradition, sometimes it's hard to maintain um, the richness of the precision of the original. And as it goes, passes from one person to the next person to the next person, you can get watered down a bit. And then yeah. when you go back to the original, it'd be like, well, you never, they never said anything about this in my first tantric class. And like, well, you know, that can happen from, from that result. And the other thing that I think I'm really focused on as a tantric, um, practitioner to the extent that I am is making sure that what I'm doing energetically is actually happening and that I'm not imagining it. Cause it's very easy to psychosomaticize, if that's a word. Um, ta uh, tantric experiences in my perspective. Well, uh, so I want to address the first thing, and then I'll, I'll, I'll like to address the second thing, and and we'll like we'll you know we'll kind of take it back and forth, and and I think we'll arrive at boundaries in this <laughs> in this conversation. So what you're saying in part one is that you you more respect a tradition kept intact. Is that what you're saying? I mean, help me to understand. Is that what you're saying? You you would respect if Tantra wasn't watered down by it, different interpretations or spins on it. Um, right. It, that the, you know, when it comes over the boat the first time, like when Mumford brings it over, that individual typically has more of the original detail to it and as it kind of goes out it that drops okay well you know we could say a couple of things I, I i i don't know if i agree at all in this terms of this perspective because i don't i actually don't 
respect history or the past very much. And it's interesting because I learned how to live in the present and let go of the past and all my personal history and lots of other history uh, because of Tantra. Okay. I just learned to let it go and to be to keep creating my future in each moment now and now and now each moment and just to keep clearing myself and cleansing myself from the past so it's funny because in my study of tantra I did study I studied with uh Bodhi Avinasha and Sunyata Saraswati who are both and Sunyata is like a tantric scholar and Bodhi pulled the information out of him and put it into a couple of pretty good books. And I, you know, it's not, I have no affiliation with them. It's not, there's, this isn't like a defense of them or their teachings or anything. And I did learn what I needed from them and I let most of it go. And then I had two teachers after that who taught me how to access information without reading it in a book like how to actually access my own information just from, the, I guess, the universe. That may sound too woo-woo, but... So I didn't rely on any, any earthly teachers. <laughs> so, I, it's, so it's funny, because your perspective is, you know, you're respecting so much the history of it, and I'm, I don't want to make a religion out of Tantra, even though I know it has... It's spiritual elements. I even tell my students, you know, when I teach them practices, you, I'm not going to tell you how many times to do this breath or clear yourself because I don't want you to make a religion out of it. I want you to follow your own inner guidance and your own inner path moment by moment. So it's just interesting that we have a very diverse perspective here. Yeah, I was once told by a teacher of mine, a separate teacher, different um, different arena, that in, with regards to energetics, that and whenever I talk to about Tantra, just a quick uh, diversion, whenever clients ask me about Tantra and how is that different from, like, regular sex sort of thing, um, I say to them, well, I could say in a very large nutshell, very basic form, that Tantra its pleasures, so to speak, um, surrounds itself more with energetic connection and energetic um, movements and creations and manipulations, positive manipulations. And non-tantric tends to focus more on physical body uh, pleasure, manipulations, creativity, um, advancements, um, because one of the examples I've given to people is when you're in Yab Yum, um, Yab Yum, in my opinion, was designed for energetic purposes, not so much like a great or elaborate sex position to allow, right. you know, and so that people... Well, wait, get, we, have to, we have to say what Yab Yum is, because you know what it is and I know what it is, but sure. not everybody out there knows what Yab Yum is. So do you want to describe it? Yeah, sure. Yab Yum is when... The guy uh, is sitting, I'm not, it can either be Indian style or in, I think, Half Lotus. I'm not really sure on that. But um, he's sitting there, and he's sitting up erect, 
and the woman comes and slides her yoni down uh, over his legum, and she wraps his or her legs around the small of his back, and they kind of, she kind of sits on him in the same position that he's in. And yoni being here, a woman's opening, vagina, vaginal opening, and lingam in your description being a man's penis. Right. Just so everybody gets his, gets their knowledge here straight. This is this is like an education. Yeah. So, so you're talking about yabyam being designed to be an energetic connection. And you know, we're gonna just stop here for a second, um, just for a moment. When we come back. We're going to be talking with Eric Amaranth about Yab Yom being designed as an energetic posture, and he's describing the distinctions between the deference of Neo-Tantra and sex education, sort of a different kind of erotic sex education. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Have you ever wished for an end to pests in and around your home, around your office? Stop paying for dangerous chemicals that can harm your children, your pets, and your clients. Today in Arizona and Florida, an environmentally responsible pest control company named Ladybug has set up shop to provide natural and organic pest control services. Ladybug can help you stop even the most persistent, nastiest bugs with green, organic products that are friendly to people and pets. In addition, there are franchise opportunities in Arizona, Florida, and throughout the USA. To learn more about Ladybug's home-friendly and earth-smart green pest control services, visit the Ladybug website at ladybugcorp.com or call us at 561-276-7600. Ladybug guarantees you another eco-friendly, pest-free day naturally. Wondering what book you should read to jumpstart your sex life and increase your happiness? Try my book, Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by me. Laurie Handlers. This short, easy-to-read book will make you laugh at yourself, and it may possibly make you cry as you discover my tantric secrets for happiness and how they apply to you. In the book, I begin with the tenth law, make love in the unknown, and then I work you all the way through laws one through nine to teach you how to be in the unknown, fresh, every moment of every day of your life. Sex and happiness puts the innocence and love back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. It's only $19.99 in paperback and $14.99 ebook. Go to sexandhappiness.com to order your copy of Sex and Happiness by me, Laurie Handlers, the host of Tantra Cafe. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host. And today my guest is Eric Amaranth, who is a personal and sex life consultant. And Eric ha- Eric really coaches people towards having a ma- an amazing sex life. And he has done a lot of research on this. And we're having a great conversation about Tantra per se and, and uh, sex education, how they're related, how they're different how Eric sees it as somewhat different. So we were talking about Yab Yum before we went to break. And um, so what? how do you want to talk about that in terms of the comparison you're making between energetics and actual sex play, I think? For example, um, Yab Yum, like I was saying, is was designed, in my opinion, to facilitate or best facilitate energetic sexual exchange. 
versus its goal being physical body sex exchange. Yes, physical sex is happening, but that in a way is, um, and there is a physical connection, but that's not the greater purpose for this position. The greater purpose is the energetics between the two individuals versus another position, like say a non-tantric position. Um, let's say um, one where the woman is on her back with her knees close to her chest and the man on his knees um, sliding into her from that position where they are not chest to chest. They can still look and they can still see each other. They can still look into each other's eyes, but there is a, a, a uh, greater distance. And it also allows access to other points of physical erotic contact, like, um, like her inner thighs, uh, her clitoris. There are just easier access for physical reasons that the guy can provide clitoral stimulation and vaginal penetration at the same time. Whereas you can do that with Yab Yum, but the access that Yab Yum provides uh, doesn't facilitate it as well as that example I gave of a non-tantric position. Okay. So, so the point is, okay, but we're back to the point about I'm asking the question to you about so, what does that have to do with Tantra in its original form, like the way you appreciate it? I, I'm, I'm just not sure where you're going with it. Oh, yeah. In a way, uh, oh, yes. I was going <laughs> to it from a perspective of, uh, yeah, thank you for pulling me back a bit. <laughs> Change the subject. Um, I had a teacher once who said that when you're doing energetics, um, it's really the hardest thing about energetics is making sure that what you're doing is accurate. Is it actually happening or are you imagining things? I see. And the second thing, after you're pretty sure that what you're doing is real, and this could segue over into boundaries, is what is the nature of the energetics you are doing? And in the thirdly, is the nature of the energetics you are doing safe for you or other people? Because in his his last words on the subject, not that he's dead, it's just you know it was he concluded his his moment. He said because if you're not careful, you can go mad from energetics, either trying to figure them out, assuming that something is real when it isn't, or when and when you're doing something with energetics that you're not ready for and you need training for that you don't have. So I was coming at it from the non from the old school tantra where. According to what I've been told, those guys and women had a more of a structured path to opening up those bigger and bigger energetic abilities. And they did so because they understood, I guess, through the, you know, millennia or the however many thousand years they were doing it, that these dangers and concerns did exist. And I see yeah. that, that the non-tantra community does not have the same sort of hardcore uh, concerns uh, on these safety issues, in a way. Okay, now I see where you're coming from. Thank you so much for explaining that. I guess I, in response to you, I agree wholeheartedly that in tantra, people do focus on the energy. They focus. I, they focus on not only on sexuality. They focus on moving energy, and it does involve sex as the portal. 
although it doesn't always involve sexual contact, it may just involve using energy. So I, that's very astute of you to point that out. And also, I agree with you in today's world, today being the year 2010, uh, there are a lot of people who are calling themselves Dakas and Dakinis and Tantrikas, and they are not clear themselves. They have no clue about their own energy and how toxic it may be. They have no clue about some of the energy that they're going to, that's going to be opened up in them, and they're working with other people. Right. So, yeah, that segues into boundaries <laughs> really well. It's, um, it's kind of a, it's very, it's a tremendous concern of mine. I mean, when I first started Tantra, there weren't that many people doing it. Maybe there were like, I don't know, 50 Tantra teachers in the world, and now there's 50,000 Tantra teachers. And there's so many. Everyone's a Tantra teacher, and it's scary to me because many of them haven't been trained at all. They just read a book, and now they think they can move somebody's energy, and they haven't really cleared their own. So for me, it's a tremendous concern. So thanks for pointing that out. Yeah, I mean, as far as what you're saying before the break with regards to um, when you, you you don't want it to seem like a religion, and that's cool. That's one of my teacher Betty's things about tantra. Her original uh, exit from tantra, she did it back in the 70s. Her exit was because I don't want to turn sex into a religion, and I, you know, I personally don't see it as specifically like canonizing and making uh, sex a religion. It's just a religion or a spiritual path that happens to utilize sex. Right, right. But there are people who would turn it into that. You know, it's funny. It's just funny that we're saying this because in 1996, I had this astrology reading. I'm not really like a big person who goes and gets lots of astrology reads. You know, it's happened maybe a couple times in my life. I'm usually not sought it out, but this particular time, I went to an astrologer in Baltimore, and he said, so, you know, he gave me lots of interpretations. I don't remember much of it, except for one thing, something about the 12th house. He said, if you could make sex into a religion, you would. <laughs> and I said, that's interesting, because next week I'm taking my first Tantra class. Uh, <laughs> and then here I am, I became a Tantra teacher. But I yeah. so don't want it to be a religion. It's so it's so not what I want, which is why I you know, I couldn't imagine communing with dead bodies in, in right. India. So when you so, gave the, you gave an example of you don't want to tell your students how much to breathe, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And my question is, what if the sort of old school paths were done in a particular way, and I'm sure, like, the exact number of breaths won't save you from disaster. It doesn't work that way. Right. But if, to a certain extent, the directions that they gave students were to design to, to, to make sure that you didn't stray off the path on a path that, because it's metaphysical, in many ways, you have very few senses to know where the heck you are on that path other than feeling and maybe an intuition or a knowing. You can't smell it. You can't feel it. You can't, okay, excuse me, you can't feel it. Um, you can't taste it. You can't hear it. It's uh, it's hard stuff. So, yeah. I see where, 
Yeah, I see where you're going. Like, what if they were there was what if method to the madness or madness to the method? I understand what what you're saying. I for me, I really do lots and lots of, and emphasize lots and lots of emotional release techniques and clearing, so that people really can feel and intuit for themselves where they need to go. And most people, I don't initiate them into certain breaths until they've done so much clearing work that they actually really are clear. Because I also know that if they're not clear, their body's going to change it or they're going to forget. So I don't worry about it so much when I initiate them into an ancient practice. Okay. I, I Like, they're clear. They're really clear. By the time I give them that, I make sure of that. Okay. Now, do other tantra teachers do that? Not so much. That's why I mostly travel around and teach people how to do lots of clearing. We're mm-hmm. gonna we're gonna stop here again for a moment, though. We'll, when we come back, we will pick this up where we left off. Today, my guest is Eric Amaranth, and we're talking about tantra, and we're also talking about sexual uh, deriving the most sexual pleasure that you can in your life and we're talking about boundaries and practices so we'll be picking it up where we left off when we return you want to hear about boundaries so stay tuned have you ever wanted something really different from a plain old swedish massage if you want an extraordinary private bodywork session call krishna naidu krishna definitely has the touch he offers yoga fusion therapy embodiment therapy individual tantra sessions, and even private yoga classes. I hope this intrigues you. His work is subtle yet tremendously effective, and I know his clients keep coming back for more because I'm one of them. For more information about the sessions and to find a session near you, call Krishna Naidu at 857-891-8090. That's 857-891-8090. Call Krishna Naidu today. Sessions are regularly available in New York, Boston, Washington, D.C., Phoenix, and Scottsdale. I, Laurie Handlers, the host of this show, personally invite you to come with me on a tantric tour of the heart of India on November 21st to December 3rd, 2010. You'll see the Taj Mahal, of course, and visit the fabulous Fadipur Sikri, home of the great Mughal King Akbar. You'll experience the Sacred Lake in Pushkar and... Then you'll tour the pink city of Jaipur. Then at dawn from a boat on the Ganges in Varanasi, you'll see exquisite Hindu prayer rituals. Then you'll tour Sarnath, where the Buddha gave his first speech after attaining enlightenment. And finally, you'll get to explore the exotic Kama Sutra temples in Kajuraho. All throughout the tour, you'll learn tantric techniques and principles, and I promise you'll feel a tremendous sense of well-being as we delve into these simple yet potent tantric tools. Please note, no previous experience of tantra or yoga is necessary to come on this tour with me. I invite you to join me in this unique experience touring the incredible, incredible country of India. I must warn you, This is not your typical tour, and you are not the typical tourist. For more information about this exciting tantric tour of the heart of India, contact Lori at ButterflyWorkshops.com or write to her at info at ButterflyWorkshops.com. 
We're back with Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. And I want to just remind you that you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook. I'm Laurie Handlers. And you can write to me at laurie at tantracafe.com. Also, if you're interested in becoming a practitioner of temple arts, that is tantric arts, and you want training in this, you want to go to the schooloftemplearts.com, schooloftemplearts.com, and find out more internationally about what the International School of Temple Arts is doing so that you can get proper training and being able to actually move people energetically and know what to do and how to clear yourself. So please take a look. Also, I want to recommend that you visit Laurie's Recommended List at webtalkradio.net for up-to-date listings of books, products, and services to enhance your tantric lifestyle. We're back with Eric Amaranth. So, Eric, we were talking about, I was telling you before the break that I, I, I make sure people are clear before I give them those techniques. And then the number that they have to do, will come, I trust that it will come to them as opposed to prescribing a religious you know, count to 108 or right. whatever. There are lots of sacred numbers that people use. I tell right. people about the numbers, but I tell them they don't have to do it that way. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to say something now about the boundary thing. Um, yeah. I, I went to a class with Tini Dakini, who also teaches Tantra, and I'm sure you know her very well. <laughs> of course, she's been a guest on my show many times. Yeah. Tini Dakini, yes, yes, yes. And we teach together. We do a course called It Takes Two Goddesses to Do New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, she was one of the first people who I sat down with to discuss uh, energetic boundaries, and her classes uh, discuss energetic boundaries. And it was very fascinating to me from the perspective of when people can use energetic uh, intentions or energetic actions, let's say, and not be aware of them or be aware that they're doing them because the outside world doesn't accept it, you know, as reality. Um, for the moment, we're going to go to that place of, like, this stuff is real or else we can't have this conversation. <laughs> oh, so, it's definitely real. Listen, if anybody's listening to this show, they're already, they're already on a certain wavelength or they want to hear about it so they know it's real. Okay. So, so not to worry, like, just go for it. Okay. Um, where people, through their past experiences, trauma, uh, positive things, whatever, um, however it happens, people can learn or develop unconscious energetic intentions and actions that are then applied to their uh, outside environment, to people, uh, to things. And sometimes those energies are beneficial and sometimes they can be quite poisonous and perhaps benefit the person doing them, but is, are detrimental to those that uh, they come in contact with. Yeah. And um, that, talking about with regards to boundaries of when you are doing energetic things, knowing, knowingly or not, that cross over into, I remember what Tini was saying, energetic, good energetic manners of uh, knowing when you're doing energetic things or not knowing, and people feel that stuff, 
or can respond and they'll say things like, he's kind of creepy or why do I feel this way when he's in the room or whatnot? And it's kind of the first step in knowing since our culture does not acknowledge energetics anymore that, uh, and our parents didn't really teach us that it's important to understand what, you know, is a good boundary. And then I think even more importantly, to understand what it feels like when someone is doing something that's unethical and you can look at them and say, hi, I know what you're doing. Stop it. Whereas I think a lot of people in the neo-tantra community, it's hot and it's sexy and whatever the heck is happening is happening and we're in the moment, we're in the present, but they aren't stopping after it's all over with and saying, hmm, like evaluating and saying, it was that safe for me? How do I really feel about how that made me feel? And I wish that there was more of that within the Tantra community and more uh, of a drive to make sure that the energetics are clean. Well, I listen, Eric, I, you know what? It was You blogged about this uh, pretty recently. Why don't we say where your blog is so so we can just say that it's a, what how do people find you and then I can make this reference to the blog what's the blog um, the blog is on my is on Betty's site at the moment it's uh, Dodson and Ross dot com forward slash yeah D-O-D-S blog yeah forward slash blogs with an S blogs and then forward slash Eric E-R-I-C hyphen, and then amaranth, A-M-A-R-A-A-N-T-H. Great. So we'll come back to that, too. We'll, we'll announce it again. But uh, you blogged about it, and that's what that's what piqued my curiosity. It, it, wasn't, it was really, I mean, you were going after some practitioners. We're not going to talk about who, but you were going after some people saying they were actually telling someone they had violated someone's boundaries, it seemed, and you were telling them that even if it felt good to the person whose boundary was being violated, they were saying this is good for you. Kind of like, here, eat your spinach and like right. it. And you, your objection, which piqued my curiosity, was your objection was to the ethics of that. And I, Eric, I couldn't agree with you more. If it, that's like... That's like telling someone, that's the old, <laughs> I just, I hate that this came into my mind, but that's the old thing. Uh, when a woman is getting raped, the, her assailant says, you know, you liked it. Right. You, you wouldn't have worn that short skirt if you didn't want my attention. Yeah, I think it's even more insidious because... In that example, it's simply she's wearing the short skirt. In this example, the person uh, comes over to the, you know, I guess say the victim. I don't want to make it sound too dramatic. Uh, <laughs> but um, the person would come over to that person and provide some sort of pleasurable sexual uh, physical touch, uh, energetic touch, or both. Um, and the person will feel like, you know what, um, you didn't ask, you know, for me to do this. You just kind of started. And then the person will say, well, we'll listen to your body. Well, what is your body feeling? Does your body like it? And the answer to that is for someone who is kind of new or very, very new to sexuality, 
Obviously, yes, it feels good to my genitals. That's the answer to the question. Then the person would say, well, then listen to your body. You know, you're opening up good things. Well, no. Just because something feels good does not mean that it was brought to you in a way that was healthy or that the um, their energetics and their intentions, whether they realize this or not, uh, are healthy uh, forms of erotic arousal, and there are unhealthy forms. Yeah, I listen. I think I think you're so right to be speaking out about this. I just you ha, you know you have my attention, and that's why you're here today. I I think you're so right to be speaking out about this. Now, let me tell you what I think boundaries are. So maybe we could get some clear definition here. Perhaps you'll 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 like this definition, and maybe you won't. I don't know. I look at boundaries as permeable membranes. They're not barriers. They're not walls, brick walls. They're not like the kinds of things they have, highway dividers. Boundaries are permeable membranes that keep out toxins and leaden nutrients. And I get to say what they are. No one gets to say what they are for me or what they should be. I get to say, as an adult, I get to say, this nourishes me, this doesn't. And they could change in any given moment. Let's say I like you. Let's say I meet you somewhere and I like you and we're, you know, talking and connecting and all of a sudden, and I, so I'm letting you in because you feel nourishing to me and I'm just picking you, you know, could be anyone. Sure. I feel, you feel nourishing to me and then all of a sudden you say something or do something that... I, the hair on the back of my neck goes up or something. I get a sense that, oh, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel right to me. It may feel not physically good, but it may also feel like in my, you know, in my knowledge base, in my aura, whatever, like something in me, my gut, my stomach, that didn't feel right to me, what you just said or did. I have a right, right then to say, you know, I have a boundary about that. I don't want to talk about that. Don't go there with me. Don't call me honey or, you know, don't. I Look, I used, I can remember one of the earliest, my earliest boundary experiences. I was in a dance company. I went to George Washington University. I was in a dance company. And the whole dance company was women except we had one man. And this man, when he used to hug, because we all compared notes, all the girls compared notes. This one young man, when he used to hug us, his hand used to come by and sort of graze our breath. Ah. Uh. Every hug. So we put, you know, first I thought, am I imagining this? Then I thought, oh, it was a mistake. Then I thought, oh, it happened again. I don't like this. And then I asked a few other of the girls, when this guy hugs you, do, does he? Yes. So then we had to sit him down and, and set a boundary with him. That was like one of my earliest boundary things, you know. Mm-hmm. And. So to me, I can change, I can set a boundary. Also, as we get closer, what I perceive to be my boundary could change. What I thought I needed to say no about back then, as I get closer to you, I might pull the boundary and say, I don't need that boundary anymore. I trust you more. Right. So uh, how are you with that definition? Um... The way I would handle something 
with regards to, uh, like, first of all, you ask, so whenever there's a kind of a pivotal sexual moment in someone's uh, life or someone's present, I should say, um, like a first time something, then particularly, and I don't touch my clients, so this doesn't uh, quite apply in the same way. <laughs> Thanks but, for saying that. I appreciate right. you for saying that. Right. Um, but if I was, because and, and, it's a little different when you're with a romantic partner, things can just kind of flow, and you don't have to ask every single little question. You know, we know how that is. But if there's kind of a moment where you reach one of those, you know, little boundaries where you're not sure if she's ready or into something, then you ask permission. I mean, one of the things Tantra taught way back when I first started this stuff was you ask the woman's permission to enter her yoni with your hands, with your lingam, with anything. And I don't think that that has to be absolutely hard and fast every second of her life while she knows you, uh, although it can be nice, you know, to hear, um, here and there, yes. or, or, or with the first, you know, entry of the evening, let's say. Um, but when you're doing something with someone for the first time and you don't know where they are on something, then it's wonderful to just ask where they are and uh, get an affirmative, you know, yes, no. And if they're not really sure about something or if it's you know, maybe, but they don't feel totally up for it, if they're on the fence, then it's a no. And you don't go back there and push that boundary. You go somewhere else where there are open doors, so to speak. And until that person changes their mind of their own free will uh, to give it a try, then you don't go to, you can remind her, hey, what do you think about this now? Like, you know, X, you know, three months later or whatever. Um, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I feel better about it now. But it's important for me to hear them say, you know, yes, go right ahead, let's try this or let's do this. Then if the person tells me, I'm not really sure about this moment that's, that, that is with us right now, and the person, it's almost like a coercion, um, that, well, you know, this does feel good, doesn't it? And instead of acknowledging the person's concerns, instead of walking away immediately. Yeah, it's good. It's, so what you're distinguishing here is manipulation, really. And I think, just for the record, I think you're talking about people who are so-called tantric practitioners, not necessarily, you know, Joe and Sally couple who went to a tantra class, although what you're describing works for them, I think you are taking offense and, criti and being critical of people who are getting paid money to work with people to help them expand sexually, and they also, oh, by the way, they, they're violating some boundaries. So, right. So it's, it's a great point, Eric. It's a really great point. It's a very great point about ethics. We're going to stop for a moment. We'll be right back. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Tantra Cafe, a program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, your host, and I'm talking with Eric Amaran, who has a lot to say about this boundary question. When we come back, we're going to distinguish between what Eric does in his practice, how he sees clients, and how it might be different from Tantra or similar to Tantra or how he might use it all. So please stay tuned. We'll be right with you. Have you tried lubrications during sex only to find out that your partner feels that they feel so artificial 
or that one of you, either your partner or you, has gotten some kind of an irritation. Well, today I'm talking to Shana Venice, who is the founder of New Zealand Pure, which is a unique product line for sexual wellness. And she's going to be discussing silk with us. Silk is a new and unique lubricant. Shana, tell us a little bit about this vaginal thing that happens or this other kind of thing, genital thing that happens, these irritations and this falseness. What can people do with silk? Well, the beauty of silk is um, it does mimic your own vaginal secretion. So you can put the silk on and he'll never know the difference. And that's the beauty. It is almost similar to you. And what silk does, made with kiwi vine extract, very similar to aloe vera, but different. And what it does is it helps balance the pH of the vagina. So if your vagina is a little bit too acidy, it will bring it more into being more alkaline. If it's too alkaline, it'll add a bit of acid because you need that to kill off bacteria. So it's an antifungal, antibacterial, and a product that will help you balance your own pH. It sounds terrific. People, you can get this product by going to silk, S-Y-L-K-U-S-A.com. That's silkusa.com. Many times on Tantra Cafe, you've heard my guests and me discuss emotional release techniques. Now, you can do emotional release work in the privacy of your own home. In my CD, Shamanic Release in Latihan, I create a very, very safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work I'm known for in my Tantra courses. First, I set you up with the proper positioning and breathing, and then I guide you through emotional states to the beat of tribal African rhythms. Try the CD as an easy way to do your personal clearing work on a regular basis and watch your relationships walk free from emotional baggage. You can order my CD at butterflyworkshops.com for only $20. I believe you're worth it. I hope you do. Go to butterflyworkshops.com and get your copy now and walk free from emotional baggage. Okay, we're back with Tantra Cafe, program for spiritual enlightenment. I'm Laurie Handlers, and today's show is brought to you by Silk, a personal lubricant that enhances your pH on the inside. I'm talking today with Eric Amaranth, and we're talking about boundaries and people who are Tantra practitioners. And right before we went to break, Eric, you were, we, you really were making a point about how people can manipulate other people into having certain experiences that may not have been what they agreed to. How how does your practice, you know, your when someone comes to you as a client and they're coming to you to learn healthy sex and have amazing, you talk about uh, high end sexual pleasure. What does that mean? Like, and how do you accomplish that with people? And how is well, it different? How is it different from tantra? Yeah. Well, um, first of all, how it's different from Tantra, I'll say, because uh, it's a Tantric show, uh, it's, again, more focused on physical body pleasure and learning how to create more elaborate, more and more elaborate forms of physical ba- uh, body-based pleasure, uh, psychological, erotic-based pleasure, um, not energetic, 
uh, not expressly energetic. It may happen as a byproduct, but I don't do energy, you know, guidance classes for my clients. Okay. Uh, so as far as high-end uh, pleasure, but I will say that I some of the things I do mix in from Tantra that I've really enjoyed and has really helped non-tantric sex out. Uh, so I do integrate some tantric things that I have fallen in love with. Um, like, but what? Far, <laughs> like what? Like uh, what? One of the things I think tantra is amazing at is how closely they can feel subtle sensation. Where I think the non-tantric sex world can get very focused, and obviously so, on the big orgasms, the big, the big feelings. Um, Tantra is also just as good at using that focus on the little tiny feelings and going into that feeling and being extremely present with it instead of seeing it as, well, it's, you know, nice foreplay, kind of calms me down, but let's get on with it. And I, what it does for the non-tantric individual once they can do some of this or they increase their their, uh, skills with it, is when the big orgasms do happen, then they are much more multidimensional than they were before. So it can help you with the big and the little stuff. So you're you're making the Tonto argument. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, okay, so so you expand. It sounds like you expand people to... They're great, you know, to expand the container for how much pleasure they can actually stand. Is right. That, would that be in a nutshell? Uh, how much pleasure they can, well, let's see, uh, how much pleasure they develop their bodies to, um, yeah, to, to in, not, I wouldn't say endure, to accept or to enjoy. Because um, there is what I, what's called pleasure anxiety. Um, when it gets so <laughs> strong, people can pull away. To kind of yeah. where your body can reflexively, subconsciously do things to uh, mute the pleasure's intensity, its strength. And I teach ways to, oh no, um, when you're ready for it, here are ways, for example, I teach other stuff too, um, with how to make that orgasm stronger throughout the orgasm's duration um, and made to, to really maximize that effect in ways that if you you may not even realize that you're doing or not doing something that could help that. You know, it sounds great, Eric. I mean, it really, really sounds great. I'm so glad to be talking to you about this. So if you, if, so what kinds of people come to you? Um, Mostly, I would say it starts the youngest around um, early 30s, sometimes some late 20s. I've had one client that was 22, Um, but I'd say the majority ages are 40s, 50s, um, and some 60s, but pretty much 40s and 50s. There's something I call the conservatism of youth, where, where I think that a lot of young people either A, think they figured it out already, or there is a conservatism with them where they're like, that's weird, and when you get a little bit older, or also they're a little bit concerned about what would my friends think, what would my parents think, if even though they're never going to know, right, they're still going to go to those psychological places. Or what would my husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend think if I did this or wanted to do this? Whereas when you're in your 40s and your 50s, you're like, okay, I want this enough with the you know fears 
or enough right. with, you know, trepidations, I want to investigate this and see where it leads me. Now, I have to ask you something else because we're, we're kind of winding down, but, of course, I have to ask you about your liaison with Betty Dodson. We mentioned it earlier in the show. You graduated from college, and then you, I don't know how long it took you to find her or if you knew you were going to find her, but it seems like you sought out the partnership of Betty Dodson. A smart man you are. I mean, Betty Dodson is a pioneer in female sexuality. And uh, so what was that like for you? You're so many years younger than her, and you, but you two were like an item for a really long time. And uh, was it only, it couldn't just have only been research. Uh, oh, no. I mean, we had a, um, a full-on, you know, romantic relationship. And also we had the shared ability and I think it's not as common in our culture. We tend to have to, in our culture, separate, like I call it flow sex. When you're when you're going, you're not communicating or you're not developing. You're not uh, trying new things out. You're, 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 you're dancing. You're tango dancing. And um, we were able to do that sort of tango dance and then the, just out of nowhere in the moment go into an analytical frame and then for as long as we needed to and then sweep back into the flow. Oh and wow! So, so you could you actually could create and develop course material or new material for a book or what have you while you were engaged in sex. Right, and she. I mean, yeah, new new learnings, new methods, um, new positions, um, new subtle um, pleasure techniques to increase the pleasure of something, increase the comfort of something. Uh, whatever it happened to be. Now, you, how? What is your age difference? I mean, I just ha the reason I'm asking. I don't really care because I'm an older woman who's always dated younger men myself. But w your age difference was really a, sort of a big span. What could you tell? What it is? She is 47 years older than me. Right. Right. So and that I mean that that's odd. What's ironic about that is tantric, uh, you know, old school tantric um, initiates and stuff often had great differences in age. I remember Betty telling me a story of a friend of hers back in the 70s who went to India and uh, had a sexual training connection with a tantric uh, woman there, and a woman maybe 30 years older than him uh, who had already, you know, had got the wrinkles. She's maybe in her 60s or something. Mm -hmm. And um, he and I shared the same perspective, which was we wanted the real thing. And in Betty's case, she was in very good shape. We got together when she was 69 and I was 22. So as far as her looking old or having some of those things that we ascribe to not being attractive to a younger person, yeah, she had a few of those things. But um through just the grace of the universe or whatever, everybody, whenever they see her, they look like she's in her 50s. She looks like she's in her 50s and she's 80 now. So that definitely yeah. that definitely helped. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm I'm you know it's kind of like I, I I'm glad for you. I'm happy for you in the world. You know I'm happy that you that that you sought her out. I'm ha I, and I know when we heard about it, I. I you know, it was years ago already. It's you know, it seems like it was just yesterday. But I know when 
when we heard about it over at Butterfly Workshops, my company, we were like, wow, this is so great. You know? <laughs> yeah. Look at who Betty Dotson is with. So it was great, Eric. It was, it was a very inspiring for a young men and for older women, you know, it just was a it was a it was a great liaison. Just the press of it. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So it was great, and it seems like you've learned a lot, and uh, and and that you're doing some really good stuff. If a couple were to come to you, just this is a kind of a little little gift, a tantra cafe takeout, if. If a couple were to come to you and you were to give them one tip that they could take out from here, from hearing us, what would it be in terms of uh, what to do in the bedroom? What's one tip you could give? Um, in a tantric and non-tantric sort of blend? Sure. Okay. Um, I would say be as honorific of the pleasures that your physical body, your clitoris, and your G-spot, you know, do not place one above the other. Uh, master both of them um, That on a physical body level. And I do not place energetic sex as superior to physical um, sex pleasure to endeavor to create both simultaneously because something tells me, and I'm not there yet, with energetic uh, sexual sophistication as a lot of people are within the um, Tantra world. But something tells me if they knew what I knew and I knew what they knew, that we'd have some incredible sex on this planet. <laughs> well, you have to hang around with a couple more Tantric women then, I think. You might have to, now that you've, had, now that you've been with Betty, you might need to find somebody else who's a, a Tantric master of energetics. That's true. It sounds like you you might welcome that experience, and it'd be really it'd be a lot of fun. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> All right, listen, Eric. Give us again. How do you want people to contact you? Do you have Do you have your own website at all? I my website is under construction. You can reach my bio page on Betty's site. And my home base is kind of Betty's site at the moment. But you can go to ericamaranth.com or sexlifeconsultant.com and that will send you to the my bio page on Betty's site and that gives you some information about how I work and connects you to my blog. You can connect to me on Twitter and all that, uh, Facebook and all that good stuff there. And um, you can contact me through that means. Um, and I would love to work, I could say right now, I'd love to work with some Tantra couples who are interested in integrating non-Tantric, quality non-Tantric sex into their energetic sex. I'd love to do so that. So good. So good. I'm so glad to hear that. I hope people will take you up on that invitation. Eric, thank you, thank you so much for being my guest today on Tantra Cafe. I enjoyed having you. I look yeah. forward to meeting you face-to-face -face one of these moments. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, it will happen. And uh, everybody else, tune in next time when my guests will be people who have published a book of real yonis. Like, yoni means vagina, as we said earlier in Sanskrit. And they've, they've uh, published a book of real, real ones, pictures of and descriptions, etc. And it's kind of an art book with some wonderful descriptions and 
tremendous distinctions in it, so stay tuned for that. Again, I'm Laurie Handlers. You can follow me on Twitter or Facebook. You can write to me at laurie at tantracafe.com. Namaste from Tantra Cafe.